Episode 45. Hi, and welcome to the Ultimate Journey Awakening the Spirit podcast. I'm your host, Frank DeGeneva. Today's topic is fairy tales, myths, and legends. Whether we're babies, children, teenagers, or even adults, everyone loves a good story, a good, uh, a good fable. It's the way our ancestors passed down stories from the ages. That's how we learn, too. The best way of learning is through stories and through metaphors. This can be a good or a bad thing because if it's a positive story, then it will create positive effects. But if it's a negative story or it's twisted or it's got corrupted programming in it, it really messes us up for our adult life. As young children, we're very, very um, susceptible under the age of seven. Our minds are malleable. They're empty sponges, you know, and we have to be very mindful what we consume at that age. And as parents... Well, those parents out there have to be really mindful of what they, they see on TV, what they um, see in the movies, and what other adults around them are saying, you know. And it's, it's funny because parents say, oh, kids are not affected by that. You know, they're resilient. <laughs> As we make an appointment to see our therapist to undo all the trauma we experience at that same age. Whatever we learn or however we're formed before the age of seven makes the man. You know, you have the Jesuits saying, um, show me a child at five or something and, and I'll show you the man. Then you have the evil leaders saying, give me a child under five and they're mine. You know, it's it's ridiculous. So, you know, it's very important to um, be careful how we're formed because that's who we become. You know, when I say the man, but it's also females, obviously. <laughs> we have to be uh, politically correct these days. Um, but it's like, what, what happens after is all work. It's all like therapy and um, techniques to undo the trauma. So if you get it right before seven, then you're smooth sailing afterwards. Otherwise, it's, it could be a lifetime of therapy and or coping mechanisms and um, avoidance or, you know, disassociative behaviors bypassing. So we got to get it right. And I like to look, um, I like to point the, the, the lens today on the fairy tales and the stories and the myths that we that we watch when we're young children. Most of us, when we're young at that age, we don't have the mental capacity to um, um, understand the hidden meanings and the symbols that are used in many fairy tales and and legends and that. And they, but they work because our subconscious mind doesn't use words; it uses symbols, it uses um, a lot of different non-verbal and non-language shapes and colors and um, stimulus and that and we're unaware to that and um, you know a story can either keep you in darkness or it can invoke our subconscious to wake up from this dream reality you know like the matrix and neo choosing the red pill to escape the illusion of the false reality you know um, that's that's a heavy spiritual depiction of what's going on we see these movies as cool and fun but no one really wants to unpack them there there are those (laughs) that unpack them and they have like hours and hours of material um and it's it's amazing if you ever if you're ever curious to find out or unpack it's an incredible journey so just yeah do yourself a favor (laughs) if you want to get up if you want to put your tin foil hat on go for it because it's a it's quite a it's quite a trip from my experience though um i've just noticed so much traumatization Trauma to, to young children, 
and it's, it affects us. You know, there's a company out there, an animation company that has a magical mountain and a rodent as its mascot. And I think they're responsible for really messing us up as children. You know, ask yourself, every story that this company puts out, have you ever noticed that every character's parents are dead or have been killed or absent or replaced by an evil stepmother or kind of surrogate parent? <laughs> when that deer, when when I was watching a little, little, little kid in that the deer i don't want to say names here because you know who the hell knows who's listening and <laughs> what agendas are to kind of um cancel certain people for telling the truth but when that deer lost its parents and i was a kid i was freaked out i was traumatized i was worried about my parents were, were gonna die that was my thought you know it was a nice cartoon but wow what the hell and early trauma when we're infants shocks the brain and it makes it more susceptible to be programmed and for indoctrination. And people don't know that. You know, there's a lot of mind control techniques out there that um, only work when there's intense trauma, which releases a lot of cortisol, floods the brain, and it just compartmentalizes the brain. And there's, you know, there's commands. There's, there's a word for it. I'm sure you can piece it together. If you are if you have your, your head in a little hole, down a rabbit hole, you, you know what I'm exactly what I'm talking about. You know, and then they have, they're bringing up our children without the family unit in these stories. And they empower them. You know, you look at the princesses, they're all empowered princesses. Um, anyway, so this rat company, I'm going to call it, also hijacks other stories that um, have established themselves in other cultures and other races and that. Just take, for example, the, the widower father, the widower, ugh, the widower, the widower father who carved the wooden puppet. I'm sure you can guess it's The Adventures of Pinocchio. It was a novel written by the Italian, uh, an Italian named Carlo Lorenzini. And uh, he's known as actually Carlo Collodi. So, and this story has some serious, some mad esoteric symbols related to the path of our spiritual awakening. And, you know, it, it allows an inanimate, inanimate wooden puppet to become a real child. And let's, I want to just take this apart and take some layers off and you may be blown away by the symbology here especially if you're into the spiritual path and you know about some esoteric or occult um, meanings and and theories so let's get started on pinocchio in italian i know i'm italian i like to say my italian words <laughs> but pinocchio um is <laughs> right there in in the name shows the depth and the symbolic nature of the story so pin is pine as in the pineal gland the pineal gland in italian it's a uh, pineale pineale um, and it represents the pineal gland the pineal gland of the third eye the spiritual third eye and occhio occhio means eye um, if you want to do two eyes it's occhi occhi means eyes so occhio is single eye so you have pinocchio this represents one eye, the third eye, because two eyes is the duality of nature. And when you when you um, activate the pineal gland, pineal gland, I don't know how it's said, but anyway, <laughs> I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Uh, even uh, even Christ in the Bible says, "When thine eye is single, thy whole body shall be full of light." So, when you can transcend duality of the two eyes, the left and the right, and 
singularity, make it a singularity, the third eye. When that opens, your body but shall be shall full of light. And that's the true meaning of the um, baptism of the Holy Spirit when you're born again. When the divine energy from um, the crown chakra comes up and meets the Shakti or the feminine energy that's coming up from your spine, they meet the uh, the third eye opens and it's a single eye. So all seeing eye and that's when we become enlightened or when the wood becomes realized as human or animated enlightenment. So the whole thing of Pinocchio is um, to become self-realized or awakened. And when you look at the, the nose of Pinocchio, when he tells lies and is deceitful, it grows. And you can't become enlightened if you live a life of deceit and lies. This spot between the eyebrows is also called the Christ center or the um, Christ consciousness. And also, when I went back to pine or pinel or pine, pinel or pine cone, you look at the um, pine cone of the pine cone tree and the pineal gland looks like a pine cone. That's why in the, in the Egypt, Egyptian secret teachings, they have, you know, the eye of Horus or the, the other eye. And if you look at it, it's a cross section of the skull, the brain, and the pineal gland. So go check that out. Research that if you're interested about that. So it's just basically cross section. The eye of Horus is a cross section of the hemispheres of the brain that has the pineal gland there. So it's pretty cool. So I'm getting off topic a little bit here. <laughs> I tend to do that. Never mind on the podcast, but in real life. So you have Geppetto, which is the creator of Pinocchio. It's his dad. And he molds the piece of wood um, and he creates a puppet, which is an allegory, um, you know, of being unaware of your own divine nature. I mean, it comes from wood and it's inanimate. If you know the story of Pinocchio well, you'll notice that Geppetto, his house is full of watches and this signifies time. And it's one of the greatest illusions of our physical reality, time. You know, we have Father Time, which is Kronos, which is the Grim Reaper. And then I can get on to another topic and a whole podcast with that. So anyway, so let's go to the fairy, uh, the, with the, the fairy god, the fairy or the fairy godmother with the turquoise hair. She represents the divine wisdom, which is a central, uh, an essential element for transformation for Pinocchio to become a real child. She basically tells them that he has to earn being a real child to grow and evolve. He has to go to school to get knowledge. So the school is basically the knowledge. And, you know, she's always there, even though he doesn't know that she's always watching, but she's always, she's always watching. Just like sometimes we don't feel our divine presence inside us, but it's always there. You know, um, I'm sure a lot of our guardian angels or higher self, we drive them to drink because of our choices. And it's like, oh my God, they're just pulling their hair out saying, you're doing this again. You haven't learned this again. When the hell are you going to learn this lesson? <laughs> so anyway, let's get to the cricket. Um, the cricket is represents our conscious. I don't know if it's subconscious, but it's the internal voice, you know, the ethical choices. It's a voice that sometimes we don't want to hear. Um, in the original novel, I don't remember because I learned Pinocchio from my father in the original cartoon, Italian movie. So I don't know if um, Pinocchio kills a cricket, but he kills a cricket in the original um, depiction of it. And then <laughs> karmically he gets busted as he falls asleep by the fire and his feet get burnt off. So uh, <laughs> it's also a symbolic 
of him running away from his dad. He, like he wouldn't stop running away from him when he first made him. And also not listening to your intuition. You know, carefree, no consequences, etc. Then we have the, the characters of the fox and the cat. They represent temptation and they represent our most corruptible part to be tempted. Um, I think in the movie they be, pretend to be blind and lame. And they are the ones who show Pinocchio the way to, you know, the easy, easy money, easy success. Um, and I think the cricket, despite the warnings of the cricket, um, to watch out for these, these, you know, f- tricksters, the fox and the cat lead Pinocchio to the field of miracles because he had some gold pieces and he, and he buried them there. Um, they says, oh, you know, it's going to grow into a tree, like something like Jack and the Beanstalk, whatever. Um, it'll grow more, but then, you know, when he wasn't around, they stole it from him. So big, big lesson there. And also there's a boy, I don't remember his Luciano. I don't remember his name, but that boy invites Pinocchio to the land of toys, taking Pinocchio off the path. Like it's, you know, it's, there's another thing, the path, the yellow path I'm going to talk about later. So land of toys is a place without uh, school or laws or, you know, devoid of knowledge and ethics. It's just party time and it's if you notice in the movie or in the show in the story it's inhabited only by children and i believe this is symbolic of souls that are not yet evolved young souls you know a place where the the only goal is to satisfy the lower needs of one's existence you know circuses and shows and distractions we can map that over to our, our lives like drugs and booze and just distractions so now we have the coachman who has a task of supervising and encouraging this way of being. It's like a, you know, a way to create slaves. And the f- kids who follow him end up turning or transformed into, donkey, into donkeys, <laughs> that, which is symbolic representation of the most kind of base and bestial and instinctive part of our human soul. Um, donkeys are always depicted as being... Um, stupid or they're not really um, intelligent and they're very very easily manipulated and i think the coachman is represents like the the devil or demon tempting us to take us off a righteous path then we have an interesting depiction of when pinocchio gets swallowed up by the whale um and that's like um inspired by the myth of jonah um the prophet who was in fact swallowed by a, a whale and the belly of 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 this this whale represents the, um, I guess, the awareness of the inner darkness, the shadow, you know, the the apex of the final stage of our initiation of the journey. And that's something we'll get in talking to as well, the, the, the journey. Um, it's going to be cool. So in the escape uh, to the exit from the womb of that represents the enlightenment. So when, when Pinocchio escapes the, the, um, the pit of the, the whale, it represents enlightenment. We have to go through the shadow. We have to meet our shadow. So anyway, so let's look at the another movie, um, which is The Wizard of Oz. And it has the four survival types, which can be found in Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, which we'll be talking about after. So The Hero's Journey is some, some seri- it's a serious template for all stories. Anyway, so let's go to The Wizard of Oz. There's four archetypes. Um, they are the child, the prostitute, the saboteur, and the victim. So without getting too deep into it here they're represented by dorothy the tin man scarecrow and the cowardly lion respectively 
how we survive in the world, what we do, like, you know, the naivety of the child. And then we, we prostitute ourselves out to acquiesce and to seek approval or we sabotage ourselves and we become the, vis- the victim, the poor me. Anyway, so um, <laughs> let's moving right along now. Um, we have the, um, the the Dorothy Scarecrow lion and whatever. So, interestingly, when you look at when you look at the the characters, they all represent aspects needed to ascend. Like you have the Tin Man, you know, he's got no heart, but it's, he's all talk. <laughs> then you have the Scarecrow; he has no brain or intellect. You know, he represents the thoughts. Then you have the lion that represents courage and taking action. I believe Dorothy represents us on the path us going through life. Toto, the dog, represents intuition and creativity in that. Um, and when you look at the the wizard's false hope, you know, it's like we place our hope on saviors if it's religious, political, or otherwise. You know, instead of realizing that the power we have as individuals, just like with Dorothy when she had the, when the when the witch said, um, just tap your red slippers because you had it inside you all along i believe the uh, glinda i think it was glinda the good witch of the north represents the sacred feminine of the freedom or freedom in general the wicked uh, wicked witch of the east i guess when the house i think the house fell on her represents the old belief systems you know uh the, the breaking down of them and staying in the past or staying in munchkin land like well, that's you gotta kill the past you have to pardon the past for you to move forward in the future then you have the Wicked West, uh, Wicked Witch of the West, who um, you know represents oppression and tyranny. You know our, our fear, um, getting taken off the path. You know the Yellow Brick Road. Stay on the Yellow Brick Road because if you, if you get off the path, you get messed up. You get tempted. You get tempted. <laughs> you get this temptation and you you go off the road. And that's what I was referring to um, with Pinocchio, the, the 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 cat and the fox took Pinocchio off the Yellow Brick Road or, or the the, the way there and if you remember they fell asleep in the poppy field before they um, reached emerald city if you look at chakras the emerald is the heart chakra they got distracted they got complacent they lacked determination you know the, the ultimate bypass you know we're taking drugs we're drinking we don't want to face we don't want to we don't want to go through and do the work to do to get to the promised land so anyway so when they meet the wizard, the wizard insults them and he makes them, you know, he, he shames them. Uh, but he, he actually, he agrees to help them um, begrudgingly because they killed the Wicked Witch of the West. And which represents facing her shadow and the monkey mind. If you know about the meditation, the monkeys, the flying monkeys, it's to control the mind and not have all the, you know, the, the sense of thinking and anxiety and worrying but anyway so they get captured i think toto i gotta brush up on my on my stories here i don't remember many things but i think it was uh, dorothy and toto gets they get captured but toto escapes and you know that's the he toto represents like the you know the 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 conscious but the you know the inner desire for freedom and um you know our will to kind of uh, evolve and self-realize then you get the the uh, the witch was burning scarecrow, which represents the mind, and uh, she in an attempt to who is it was it yeah Dorothy actually an attempt to quell the fire, the water melts the witch, 
And it's it's pretty ironic that she tried to burn his, the mind or the, trying to distract the mind, you know, with fire. But then in the very thing that is used to uh, put it out or quell it is what actually melts her and kills her. And if you notice, all the followers, the witches' followers, just chill out. You know, they're the order followers, the the commanders that follow the authority. You know, you can map that over to real life. You know, if the generals and the politicians and that had the proper orders for us or kind of had, you know, our best interests and the order followers that are upholding that authority had a conscious conscience, they would, they wouldn't do those things. But anyway, that's a whole, whole nother thing as well. So Toto, when they go back to the wizard, he pulls back the curtain to reveal the fraud or the illusions of the matrix. You know, the the wizard all is like, ah, oh, don't pay attention to that guy behind the door. Like it's all it's all an illusion. It's a distraction. And so what ends up happening? The wizard gives them all gifts. He gives the um, scarecrow, I think, a diploma. He gives the Tin Man a, a heart clock and the line. I think it's a Medal of Honor. And these are all rites of passage. And that's what we're going to talk about next is about the hero's journey, the Joseph Campbell um, hero's journey and all that initiation and stuff. So anyway, just to finish up with um, the Wizard of Oz, Glinda, Glinda, (laughs) I think it's Glinda, teaches Dorothy how to get back through wisdom, passion and fortitude, which represents the lion, scarecrow and the tin man. Um, And if I remember, Toto jumps out of the balloon. because they were going to escape. And I think Dorothy had to get out of the balloon. But that is representing of getting caught up again in the fantasy or escaping or fa- finding another false savior or getting distracted again. And at the end of the movie, Dorothy wakes up, symbolically enlightened. And she tells how she achieved that um, to her sleeping unawake family and friends. They made fun of her. They said, oh, you know, it's just, uh, they're, they're, you know, just that happens in real life. When you... When you, when you find um, uh, a truth or a reality or you have an aha moment and you're awakening and you try to share that with people that are sleeping, I know she wakes up and they're awake, but it's representative of, of them being um, asleep and, you know, not believing her. And so they mock her. That happens to all of us that, that choose to question the narrative. We, we, get, we get shamed and we get humiliated like, like the wizard did to, to, the, to the, the team there. Okay, let's talk about the 12 stages of the hero's journey. Now, the hero's journey is, I think it's Joseph Campbell, and this is a template. This is all from myths and even from the indigenous and all old cultures. They have this whole um, stages of life. But I'm going to talk about three at the end after this. spell. There's 12 stages of the hero's journey, and they can be found in every movie, in all the all the, the legends and the fables and, you know, and and if it, they don't follow this, you know, I've heard of movie houses not even saying yes to the movie because it doesn't follow this pattern. I think this is deep in our psyche. So it's called The Hero's Journey. And there's 12 steps. Yeah, if you think of 12 steps another way, you could, you could be on to something. So that's the first step is the ordinary world. This is where we meet the hero and identify with them and their, and their world. And, you know, there's always, they're always lacking something. And the second step is the call to an adventure. You know, the hero is given a challenge, a problem, or an adventure. And often it appears, um, you know, as, as a chance. Um, or, you know, like, like, wow, this is like fate. 
and the stage um, of the story establishes the goal of the hero. And then the step three, or the stage phase three, is the refusal of the call, it's called. Um, the hero, the hero, you know, always initially rejects the call because of fear, hesitation, insecurity, or whatever reason. Then you have the fourth stage, or the fourth phase, where it's meeting with a mentor. Uh, the hero in- always encounters a wise, a wise one, who, you know, prepares him for their journey. This figure gives advice, guidance, or, you know, like an item or something. Um, but they cannot go with the hero. The hero always takes off, you know, like you got Yoda, Gandalf, you know, it's like, oh, you're on your own, you know, it's going to spark that fire. And, you know, it's like, we're going to be there for you, but uh, you're on your own. And they always seem to be disappearing. Um, so then uh, stage five is crossing the threshold where the hero has committed to the journey and enters the new or special world um, and is often met by a threshold guardian. Um, so, you know, look at Frodo in the, the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. Frodo leaves the Shire. Luke leaves Tatooine. Harry Potter leaves and goes on train nine three, three and three quarters. Um, and then the step six is that, you know, the tests, the allies and the enemies um, in this, you know, this new reality, this new world. The hero learns the rules by beating people. And there's like, you know, like there's always a, a get together like a, at a bar or like an, at, a, at a meal or, or something. And they learn new information. And the hero uh, needs to learn who they can trust and who they can't trust. And it's all about the tests and, you know, who your enemies all in that. So, um, you know, and there's usually a sidekick that comes around, like an R2-D2 and CP3O or Samwise, Mary and Pippin or whatever. It just, you know, he could see it every Once you know these steps, it's like, oh, <laughs> you don't even have to go to movies anymore because you know. It's just predictable, you know. Uh, so the seventh stage is the approach to the innermost cave. So now our hero and often his allies have to come, you know, have have come to like a dangerous place where, you know, the object of the quest is hidden and you have to be, they prepare it, the preparations are needed and they'll have maps and all that stuff. So, um, so we're going to get to the su- supreme ordeal. I think it's what it's called, supreme ordeal, where the hero faces the danger. It's often a life or death moment that um, is either in the physical sense or psychological sense. But this is the greatest fear and the greatest challenge that the hero faces. And then the ninth step is reward or seizing the sword or, you know, after surviving this fearful challenge, the hero is usually rewarded, you know, with a treasure or weapon or knowledge or, you know, some kind of token or reconciliation. You know, Harry Potter received the the sorcerer's stone and Frodo receives a sword you know, and all that stuff. So it's a kind of a reward, a celebration. The 10th stage, the 10th stage is the road back. And the hero must now deal with the consequences of all their actions. Um, and, you know, there's still be little kind of um, tendrils of the remaining forces that they have to deal with. Um, and then they have to kind of face the decision to return and go back to the ordinary world, you know, to reintegrate back. So that's just kind of a little closing off. And then the 11th is... The resurrection, one final test, is required for you know the purification or the rebirth of the hero. Um, it could be eternally, it could be like a miraculous transformation, or you know, a dangerous life or death ordeal for the hero, and it's the climax of the story. Basically, the final test represents the the cleansing of the shadow of the dark side. You know, the whale, like the whale part. You know, when you come out of the whale from Pinocchio, and then the twelfth 
step is the final reward after the hero has resurrected, you know, purified and returned to the ordinary world. And, you know, he's triumphant and returns uh, bearing the elixir, you know, treasure, love, freedom, wisdom, or knowledge. And, but the defeated hero is doomed to repeat the lesson. And this is where I want to get into the three simplified stages of the hero's journey. But before I do, if you thought about the 12-step program and AA or anything in real life, this follows this whole um, template. Um, you, you know, this could be talked about in great depth. But uh, so if it resonates, it's you can basically read the hero's journey, read the steps, and you can apply that to um, recovery from addiction. But there's three steps of the hero's journey that I like to simplify it. I don't like to get into all these little different steps because it's it gets confusing. Um, but there's three main ones. It's called the departure, the initiation, and the return. So to describe this, I'm going to talk about Sparta, the warrior society in ancient Greece that produced you know strong males and very educated women. Um, the Spartan boys would be taken from the families by when they were seven, and they were trained and you know made strong and fortified. After a few years, by the age of about ten, they were they were actually sent off into the wilderness alone, with only a spear and a blanket. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Um, but if they came back after a month, it would mean that they had succeeded. Um, if the young boy returned within one or two weeks, or even before he was deemed a failure, he would he wouldn't pass. So when the boys completed their training, they would become official Spartans and then given a wife. So the Spartan females were taught many things, like including, you know, gymnastics, culture, music, and I think even some light combat too, but not really, but I think so. And if she excelled um, by the age of 18 to 20, she'd be assigned a husband or the, 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 the one that, you know, have, has, has proved themselves to be a Spartan. And, you know, uh, Spartan women had more status and freedom than other Greek women in that, in that time. So we see these, we see this um, departure initiation and the return and everything, not just the Spartans, but you have the Catholic Church, uh, whether it's a confirmation, the baptism into the evangel- evangelical congregations, and then you have the bar mitzvah, the bat mitzvah in the Jewish faith. Um, and, you know, young boys and girls partake in similar ceremonies. The indigenous cultures and tribes around the world also had these these rites or these rites of passage. You know, there are the three phases which all rites share is a separation, the transition, and the, reincorpor- and the reincorporation. So you can, you can learn, you can go to any story, anything, you know, traditions, faith, rituals, it's all there. Basically, the hero leaves, the hero struggles, and the hero comes back. And, you know, look at even the military. Young men enlist and are sent away. You know, their heads are shaved and they're given a uniform. So that detaches them from their, their past identity, their former identity. And they're taught new skills and put through rigorous training. They're yelled at, they're seasoned. And when they pass these tests, they graduate to rank, just like every other tradition. So when they're ready to reintroduce them to their community and which recognizes them and honors them with their new status. And whichever the tribe or group or religious group or whatever it is, there's always a feast. There's always a celebration to recognize a transition into manhood. And, you know, for their 
um, new status or privilege. I mean, even look at Star Wars at the end. They, you know, Leia put all the, you know, there was a big party at the end, and you know, the 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 medals were 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 given. So that's normal. That's how it should be. But what the problem is, is if any of these initiations happen unexpectedly, or there's a disruption in the phase, like we get removed from our parents, um, there's no, like unexpectedly, there's no guidance or mentorship during the initiation, and no one to talk to after the event, or no welcome back or celebration, that we know we have to keep keep something hidden, something bad happens to us, we have to keep, the, keep it hidden, we feel shame, and I'm sure you can um, map that over to other, you know, certain uh, tra- trauma, traumatic experience in your life. Um, so when when we go through these rituals in tribe or modern, you know, the there's always a safe container, especially for the middle step. You know, the shamans and leaders, they, they have the, the space, they hold the container for that. And it's, you know, the, the initiates can pass through with guidance. But when there's no guidance or it's uh, disruptive, that's when you get trauma. And, you know, the elders say if, if the step three doesn't occur, there's no celebration, there's no honoring, that the psyche in people need to redo steps one and two again. And one and two keep repeating until it, um, when, when one and two keep repeating, it's, it's suffering. That's when we suffer. That's when we go through a coping mechanism. That's when we try to bypass. So until step three occurs, the trauma or the experience needs to be kept alive to process the last step. There's no exit out. And, you know, you have the PTSD is, you know, either repressive or expressive. You either hold it in or you, you act it out. This is very important. And this is missing in, in our education and even with therapy. It's, anyway, I'm not getting into it now. I have totally <laughs> went off topic and on tangent here. So <laughs> what was the topic? Fairy tales, legends, and myths. So let's get back to that before we end the podcast. So now when you look at movies, when you read stories, try if you want. I mean, if you just want to just take check out your brain and just allow you to be entertained. I can't do that anymore. I, I, I'm still entertained, but now I, I, I dissect and pick apart what's happening just to see what the story is. And I also look for symbology, some occult symbols, because what we see on the silver screen, we replicate. It's human nature. I mean, when, when it was gone, was it like a Fast and Furious or gone in 60, 60 seconds? When that happened, carjackings went right up. I mean, when I remember, I remember I was watching The Color of Money with um, Newman. What's the guy with the dressing? Paul Newman? He was fast Eddie or something with a pool. He was playing eight ball. After that, after the the movie, we went straight to a pool hall to play eight ball. And I've never played eight ball in my life. So careful what we're programmed. I mean, programs, broadcasting, they're casting spells at us. They're programs. They're called programs for a reason. So just pay attention and see how we're indoctrinated. You know, when we watch TV, we go into a hypnotic state. So we're easily programmed so be aware and look through the read between the lines enjoy the fables and the fairy tales do they make you feel good do they make you feel not good you wouldn't even know because it's all subconscious it's all symbology so be aware of it and yeah 
So that's, uh, I think that's the end of this podcast. I think I'm just babbling on now, like a babbling brook. <laughs> Pay attention to what you're, what you're let, letting your kids see and look through all the, the, the nonsense that we see. There's always a template. There's always method to the madness and a desired outcome. So there we go. This is, a, I felt a little bit mellow with this podcast, so... I feel like I'm just talking really quiet and just relaxing. So maybe that's a good thing. (laughs) All right. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Ultimate Journey Awakening to Spirit podcast. Thank you for listening to the Ultimate Journey Awakening to Spirit podcast. Join me again next time for more spiritual talk. You can reach me at Info at the ultimate journey awakening to spirit.com. And you can also visit my website, the ultimate journey awakening to spirit.com. Until next time, walk in love and in gratitude.